You're listening to Comedy Central. From Miami, the ancestral home of most DJs, it's The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Democalypse 2018. It's the closest we can get to Mar-a-Lago. Ears edition. Amazing. I'm Trevor Noah. So good to be out here, guys. Our guest tonight is Tallahassee Mayor and Gubernatorial Candidate Andrew Gillen, everybody. <laughs> Had an opportunity to sit down with him. That's right, Gubernatorial Candidate, or as DeSanctus calls him, you people. But, uh, <laughs> but that's right, we are in Miami for the entire week, all week. The Daily Show is going to be here. Um, but as you can see, as you can see, without the desk, I mean, we brought the desk, uh, but then last night it went to Club Story and we haven't seen it since, right? And I'm not gonna lie, I don't blame my desk. I'm also having a great time, right? Everything, everything in this city, everything in this city is so much fun. Like, I love the weather, I love the beach, I love the people, the culture, everything is bilingual, you know what I mean? Everything. How much fun that is? The other day, a cop pulled me over. A cop pulled me over and he was like, get out of the car! Para Espanolo, prima dos! And I was like, yeah! <laughs> like, it's so bilingual down here that even your politicians have to speak Spanish, which is the greatest comedy ever. I mean, this is actual footage from the Florida Senate debates. In Espanol, por favor, desde... El día de mi juramento hasta el día que volé al espacio. Muchas gracias y buenas noches a todos. Yo. I did not know it was possible to make Spanish sound unsexy. I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm still turned on, but I'm doing most of the work now. That's all I'm saying. And it's not just the Democrats, not just the Democrats that are jumping on the Spanish bandwagon. Here's an actual ad, an actual ad from Republican Senate candidate Rick Scott. El mundo está atento. Nosotros aquí en la Florida celebramos porque venimos de muchas partes. Aquí nos encontramos todos unidos en el amor por este gran deporte. Soy Rick Scott. Ha llegado el momento de disfrutar que gané el mejor. Yo. <laughs> Uh, uh, don't boo, vote. Uh, I love it. Because this is, this is next level. This is next level for me. In every other state, in every other state, the Republicans are like, this is America, you speak American in this country. But then here in Florida, Latino voters are so important that Republicans are like, go! Repeal Obamacare, go! So, so with only eight days left until the, the midterm elections, I could not be more excited to be here with you guys in a state with so many crucial races. And, and I'm not gonna lie, when we came down to Miami, right, uh, there was a part of us that thought we were gonna take a vacation from the news, you know? But then, 
But then the news followed us here. We're following the breaking news. The arrest in Florida of a suspect in a series of uh, bombs mailed around the country. Investigators arresting 56-year-old Cesar Sayak this morning at a car shop in Florida. This white van uh, that had been surrounded by the authorities now is being moved on the uh, Florida highway system. Right now, Sayak is at a federal detention center in Florida and expected to go before a federal judge in Miami sometime on Monday. What the f Florida? <laughs> We came here to cover the midterms, but then when we get here, all everyone is talking about is the world's worst pen pal. What the f is that? And just by the way, I know this doesn't sound like a compliment, but we have to give props to the US Postal Service, right? Because just think about... Because think about how carefully they handle those packages for them not to explode on the way, huh? Like, if I was the post office, I would be making ads about it. It'd be like, the U.S. Postal Service, we don't want to send bombs, but if you do, we'll get them there. <laughs> That's a really good ad. And it turns, out, it turns out the bombs didn't just come from Florida, right? Uh, they were also sent by the most Florida man you can ever imagine. Sayak's been working as a bouncer and sometime DJ at a strip club in West Palm Beach. One of his social media profiles lists him as a booking agent for live entertainment. He apparently also tried to be a stripper. He tried to be a stripper? He tried to be a stripper? That is the saddest line I've ever heard in my life. Like, it makes it sound like he got on stage and he was so bad that people started taking their dollar bills back. <laughs> like, like, instead of making it rain, it was the first time the strip club had a drought. It was just like, unrain, 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 unrain. I mean, how do you fail at stripping in Florida? This is the most stripper-friendly place in the world. Like, you can make it as a stripper even if you aren't trying out here. Like, yesterday, I dropped my phone. I leaned over to pick it up and someone stuck a dollar bill in my underwear. In my underwear. Now I'm doing three shows a night and I'm paying my way through college. That's what I'm saying. So, so, so the FBI, the FBI caught the Florida man uh, who sent bombs to many prominent Democrats and sent multiple bombs to CNN, right? But the question remained, question remained, what drove him? And to find out, we had to look at what he drove. At the time of his arrest, it appears this avid Trump supporter may have been living in this white van, a rolling political statement covered with targets of Trump's ridicule, many of the same people who were sent parcel bombs this week. The van also had a CNN suck sign and photos of former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton in the crosshairs of a gun scope. Okay, look, can I, can I suggest something, guys? Um, I know America's never gonna agree on gun control, but can we at least talk about van control? <laughs> No, because let's be honest, nothing good comes from a van, right? Can we accept that? It's either pedophiles or kidnappers or bombers. Like, a van is just basically a pickup truck with something to hide. Why do we still have vans? And you, and you may have noticed that um, the stickers on the van, all of the stickers on the van, a lot of them were trademarks of President Trump. Yeah, it was like, lock her up, fake news, CNN sucks. So clearly this guy was inspired by Trump, right? But uh, according to Trump and his people, this has nothing to do with him. Yeah, it's just the actions of a madman, you know? And yeah, and yes, yes, I mean, you know, it could be that a madman was inspired by your words, but you've got to accept that there is some correlation there, 
right? I mean, if a madman was running down the street, swinging nunchucks, screaming, Kawabanga! I think the Ninja Turtles would be like, oh, oh, I think that guy was inspired by us. I think, uh, I mean, that's not what we wanted. We were all about the pizza, but clearly that guy, uh, you know, it has nothing to do with beating up black people. That's not what we were going for, but uh, we need to rethink our message. That's what they would say. But instead, America's orange turtle has decided it has nothing to do with him. And not only has he decided that, he decided to tweet this. The fake news media, the true enemy of the people, must stop the open and obvious hostility and report the news accurately and fairly. Okay, so uh, if you know that a phrase has been used to encourage people to commit acts of violence, if you know they're using that phrase, why would you not stop using that phrase? Why would you not just step, stop saying enemy of the people? Like you either, you either want to encourage violence or you don't care. Why would you stop? Why wouldn't you stop? Because I'm sorry, if the President of the United States calls someone the enemy of the people, don't be shocked when the people go after that enemy. And I know Sarah Sanders is gonna come out and she's gonna be like, oh, enemy is just a, an expression, the enemy of the people is just an expression. Well then, why not just use another expression? Huh? If you realize this one's dangerous, why not use another one? There's a lot of ways to criticize someone without going that far. Try poopy head, try that, that's a real phrase. Yeah, you could just be like, the press is a poopy head. Yeah, it works, it'll work, it'll work for Trump. You'd just be like, the press, poopy head CNN. So poopy, folks, so poopy. It still works for me. Less dangerous, no one's gonna try bomb poopy head. But enemy of the people, come on, man. Like even the worst Yelp review in the world would never use that phrase. Even the worst and angriest Yelp reviewer would never be like, these empanadas are the enemy of the people. Two stars. We'll be right back. Welcome back to The Daily Show. My guest tonight is the mayor of Tallahassee and Florida's Democratic nominee for governor, Andrew Gillum. And earlier today, I went to Captain Jim's in North Miami to catch up with the man. First of all, Thank you for making the time. It's my treat. You're a very busy man. I, do you have to order food that won't make you lose constituents? Because <laughs> no. I, went, I went for like, what was the healthiest thing on the menu? Yeah, I know, you got a wimp plate. A wimp plate? Yeah. It's a healthy plate, what are you talking about? It's Vegetables nice. and fish. Yeah, that's a dinner meal, man. That's funny. Right, um, I think everyone in, in the nation, if they weren't familiar with you before, they're familiar with you now because of the clip that came out the other day. You had the phrase where you said your grandmother said a hit dog will holler. Yeah. And you spoke about the sanctus, your opponents, and about how his campaign has been inundated by racism, whether it be people supporting him or his undertones sure. or what he's saying. Do you think that that'll be the defining characteristic of this race? No, I don't. I mean, I think, um, I do think that uh, Mr. DeSantis is probably given too much harbor uh, to racists and xenophobes and anti-Semites. Um, he's spoken at conferences with them. He authored a book justifying slavery. Right. Uh, he himself, when he became the Republican nominee, went on Fox News and said to the voters of Florida not to monkey the state up. Right. You know, that was man, a phrase I'd never heard before. I, well, way. of course we've never heard it before. Right. Uh, he tried hard to justify <laughs> it, but I, I mean, monkey around. Right, uh, monkey business, Right, monkey it up. I mean, this guy is what, Harvard and Yale educated, he couldn't come up with a better phrase. Right. right. He said exactly what he meant to say. He communicated exactly what he wanted to say. 
uh, to his voters, to his constituents. And then when he got called on it, he tried to run from it. One of the hardest things to navigate in American politics, I find, is the balance between pointing out racism and not making it seem like that's all your campaign is about, which is difficult because your opponent can do whatever they want and their sure. fans and their supporters can do whatever they sure. want. But like, do you ever struggle to find that balance between pointing out what is clearly racism and then still saying, hey, I'm, I'm still a candidate that actually has yeah. ideas and policies? Yeah, I mean, I have to tell you, it's, it's kind of the reason I phrase the point the way I phrase it. Right. I mean, um, race has been an issue from the very beginning uh, in this campaign, not because I introduced it. I mean, one, I'm kind of black, like really black. Kind of. Uh, you can <laughs> 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 want to test it. <laughs> Um, but, but, but obviously, um, I don't think that's a deficit. I mean, I think there are some people who may, you know, want to make it an issue, my right. campaign, you know, my opponent, my opponent's uh, supporters. But by and large, I think uh, if you let racism sort of sit without being called out, um, then even for people who don't have racism as a conscious part of their thinking, if it sits in the recesses of their mind, mm -hmm. it will show up if, if, if it's not called to their attention. Like, look, I'm black, and guess what? It doesn't matter. I still came from a working class household. My mother still drove a school bus. My dad still, you know, did construction. Right. I'm still the first of my siblings to graduate from high school and graduate from college. Um, and guess what? In spite of our race, we actually share that in common. Right, me with a lot of Floridians, mm -hmm. and so what I didn't want to have happen, and I had, you know, I experienced this a little bit in the primary when we went to certain places, and once people got comfortable uh, enough, they said, "Do you think Florida's ready for a black governor?" And I said, "Look, y'all elected Barack Obama twice. Uh, I'm not Barack <laughs> Obama, but you know, you've answered your own question in some senses. Right? That, uh, yeah, we can get over race. Now, what, yeah, uh, is that a problem for me? Is it a problem for you? You know?" That's an interesting idea that you bring up where you say, if it's left unspoken to it, it sits in the recesses of people's minds. Yeah. I can't help but think of what we've experienced over the past week and a half. You have the guy from Florida who was sending out those uh, pipe bombs in the yeah. mail. You have the synagogue shooting that took place. You had the attempted shooting of the black church that happened and then two people who lost their lives because of that. People have been saying, President Trump is in a position to speak to what is happening. He's in a position to speak against what's happening, but it seems like he just doesn't have the words. Why do you think it's so important as a leader to speak about what may be in the recesses of people's minds? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, whether the president has the skill to do it or not, um, that's what he should do. That's what we expect of presidents of the United States to right. be able to lean into the nation's pain uh, in the moments of pain to speak to it, but also to give lift, you know, for the rest of us. Um, I'll tell you, I mean, some of the most profound moments I think I've experienced in politics have been uh, watching our leaders, going back as far as, you know, watching George Bush, George mm -hmm. W. Bush, after 9-11. Right. Um, I didn't vote for him. Uh, you know, Florida was the crime scene, right? I mean, right. we saw the, the, you know, as many of us thought at the time, a theft of an election. Right. But. But in those moments, we came together, and he spoke to that. When he stood on that rubble uh, and declared that America would be back, that mm -hmm. we're stronger, you know, that kind of thing, it just, you felt pride in it, in spite of the fact that we were going through deep, you know, pain that day. And in that, di in that time, right. Barack Obama, Mother Emanuel Church, 
um, delivering one of the most powerful, you know, um, uh, I guess a eulogy to everyone. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was a message that the nation needed to hear. Now, there were people who probably never considered voting for Barack Obama, didn't vote for him, may have had horrible things to say about him, that felt in those moments that we had a president. Right. Somebody who spoke to it. Do you think that's something you can do in this time? Like, it, it feels like America's more polarized than ever. As you said, you are going to be in a position to become not just the first Democratic governor of Florida in about 20 years, but also a black governor of Florida. Do you think that you have the ability to shake people's minds away from what divides them and what brings them together? And <clears> is that thing money? Is I that do. the thing that brings people together? No. I mean, it, it could be green. That's what everyone loves about Florida. That's what I'm told. <laughs> people are like, that's why they move there. They go, you move here for the good weather and you move here for the low tax. Uh, yeah. No, it's not going to be money, man. Uh, plenty of it. Not enough flowing to the people who need it, right? right. As, as part of the problem there. But I tell you, I think there is something pretty amazing that the South might be led by the same people who once built the South. Wow. Right? I, think, um, I think that there is... Um, connection through struggle. Um, I think there's something powerful by having come from a community that um, has been so often neglected, so often, um, um, you know, put at the pit, mm -hmm. you know, of the nation, if you will, um, not always uh, respected. In fact, for a long time, not respected uh, for uh, our contributions. And to now be in a place where you can take that kind of historic pain, uh, that kind of historic suffering, right. and to not be angry about what happened, but to say, you know what, let's move forward together. I do think that there is something that um, connects me uh, to the history of this state and to the history of the South uh, in a way that allows me to talk about these issues differently mm -hmm. and to help move and progress not only people of color, along through it, there will be celebration without right. a doubt, but also those who may have historically been on the other side of that, the, the children and the children's children of. It's interesting you say that because like, that's something I've noticed you've been very vocal about. You say, in order to lead Florida, you have to be able to lead everybody in Florida. Absolutely. You have to be a leader for everybody Absolutely. in Florida. Now, I remember when Trump was about to become the president of the United States. He said, now is the time to bring everybody together and I will be a president for everyone. And then within a few months, he was like, no, you a know what? A few months? I go, I go, yeah, a few weeks even. You, no, few weeks. but did we get that? I think it was a few weeks. Maybe I don't it was believe a few weeks. that. He said, um, <laughs> he immediately went back to like, I'm not gonna go to states that didn't vote of for course. me. I'm not gonna talk to people who don't of like course. me. This is all about my supporters. Do you like me and then I'm with you. As a governor yeah. of Florida, what is your agenda? Like, what are you, yeah. what are you going to change about yeah. Florida? What do you think needs to change yeah. on the policy side? Yeah, well, first of all, I'll, I'll govern uh, just as I have campaigned. I mean, I was literally in Clay County, a county that Democrats haven't campaigned in at a general election since God knows when. Right. We were in Putnam County, county that Donald Trump won by, I don't know, 30 points or something right. in, the, in, the, in the last election. Uh, and we were there, as I've told the people who... I have visited in those places that when I'm governor, I want to be governor for all the people of the state, not just the ones that voted for me. For those who didn't, I want to give them a reason to choose me the next time, mm -hmm. if there ever is a next time. Right. I want to give them a reason to um, choose to support me and to help me be successful, not for my sake, but for our sake. Right. So, you know, to the agenda, when I talk about Medicaid expansion in my state, which, by the way, uh, you know, 
since the Affordable Care Act was passed, we've had Republican leadership that has refused to expand Medicaid mm -hmm. in the state of Florida. That means for 800,000 people who would be eligible. In my state, one in five folks don't have access to health care except through the emergency rooms. The most expensive and the least efficient form of care. And guess what? That doesn't just impact communities of color. That impacts white communities, right. working class communities. You gotta have a job to qualify in the first place for Medicaid. This isn't you know, some lazy lot of people not willing to work, they're working. They're just not working jobs where they can earn a wage, where they can take care of their health. And I'm a believer that we have to treat health more as a right and less as a privilege. Um, and so by expanding Medicaid, not only do we benefit those who don't have it, but for those of us who do have insurance, who are paying premium increases year over year over year uh, without prediction, it's because we're paying for those who are uninsured, but we're paying at the most expensive and least efficient form of the system. Right. So if we gotta pay one way or another, why wouldn't we pay the smart way, right? Barack Obama, when he was president, tried to send my state over $2 billion to build high-speed rail across the I-4 corridor. My governor said, no, thank you, we don't believe in Obama's stimulus money, right? So that money got sent to, to, to other states. So whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, if you're in a red part of the state or a blue part of the state, not one of us would conclude that we ought to walk away from $2 billion. Right. I, I don't have anything in common <laughs> with Donald Trump. Nothing. And I don't want anything in common with him. But if he tries to send me $2 billion, I'm going to take it. I'm going to put it to work for the people of my state, right? Because that's what you do. When you're governor of the state, you got to see to the... You got to see to the needs and to the interests of the people of your state. Right. That's what I think my job is. And so um, I want people to know in my state that I may be a Democrat and I'm proud to be one. Uh, but more importantly, I'm team Florida. Right. right. I'm a Floridian. And my job is to do what, what benefits the people of my state. It's, it's interesting because when I look at your policies and Sanctus's policies is running against you. Have you, you found his policies? be more different different. Yeah. Well, his policies are very much Trump policies. And it's, it's more the ideas than the policies themselves. Yeah. So how do we feel about certain things and what do we want the feeling to be? But the two of you could not be more different in your ideas. If somebody's a middle voter, if they consider themselves in the middle, how do you appeal to them? Is there a way or do you think that now politics has just become about sides? I, I think we're appealing to them now. I've got to tell you, yeah. when we talk about uh, Medicaid expansion, when we talk about paying teachers a salary they can live on, it's not just Democrats who have teachers. Right. <laughs> you know, Republican you know, parents have their kids in classrooms where they realize that their teachers also aren't earning a wage right. they can live well, on. What if you can't find the money for the teachers? Well, we're going to find it because uh, 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 you can measure a community's priorities by where they spend their money. And right now, we've done a lot to give money away, you know, to the people who didn't ask for it and don't deserve it. Right. But for regular working people in my state and Republicans, Democratic and independent parts of this state, they're working. Uh, we don't have a state income tax. I'm not proposing that we have one, but we do have a sales tax. And so if you're a consumer, which most working people are, you're paying your fair share. Right. Uh, and so what we've proposed is that we raise the corporate tax rate in this state for the wealthiest 3% of corporations in the state of Florida, who right now under the tax scam walked away with $6.3 billion of tax money, right? right? That's money through the tax bill they no longer have to pay. And guess what? I've said you can keep $5.3 billion, but we want a billion of that to come into the state to pay teachers a salary they can live on. We want a billion of that so that we can train your next generation workforce to take advantage of the jobs that you're trying to create. 
Right now, we got too many companies saying they can't choose the state of Florida. Why? Because Florida can't produce the talent that they need to do the jobs that they're trying to bring to this state. So you, do you think you can genuinely convince corporations the other way? Because, I mean, it seems like corporations are driven primarily by where can we pay the lowest tax. Sure. You think you can convince them by saying, hey, we will provide for you the next generation workforce? Well, I'll tell you right now, we, they pay low taxes here in the state of Florida, yet they're not choosing us. Our economy is largely built on low-wage work. We got a lot of tourism jobs, a lot of minimum wage jobs, but when they're choosing states where they can pay higher wages right. and bring better jobs, they're not choosing my state at the rate that I think we should be, right? California is a high-tax state, but guess what? Every widget, gidget, gadget we want is made, designed out there, whether the company is headquartered there or whether they just set up shop. Mm -hmm. Everybody pays the same corporate tax rate. In my state, that's not the case. And so, um, uh, you know, the state of Florida's corporate tax rate is lower than that of the state of Louisiana. For a long time, it was lower than that of Alabama and Georgia. But yet, the dollar menu is the same in all those states, right? Uh, and so this idea that corporations are going to flee us by the dozens, is it, it just doesn't wash out for me. It doesn't right. wash out for us. If we're not producing the talent where the skill level in our state doesn't keep pace with the jobs that, we, that are now being created, because mm -hmm. we all know we don't have a jobs gap in this country, we have a skills gap. So if I'm intentioned around changing the economy of the state, then I gotta make sure that when these companies start looking, I can say it doesn't matter what job you need to fill. We can produce the talent right here in the state of Florida to do that work. We can't make that commitment right now. Right. We can't convince these folks that that's what you can get when you come to this state. And so uh, my vision, even though I am, yes, an unapologetic advocate for raising the minimum wage, but I gotta tell you, I don't know a person who wants to earn a minimum. Everybody I know want to earn as much money as they can get. <laughs> they want to earn enough where they can pay their bills. You don't know one person who's like, just minimum for me. No, I don't. I just want minimum. No, I don't. You know somebody who does? <laughs> I don't know anybody who's like, man, I, I really aspire to earn a minimum wage. Nobody wants that. They want to earn enough where they can maybe take a vacation every mm -hmm. once in a while. Right? So if I'm arguing with corporations over a minimum wage, then I am way off the mark. Right. I need to be talking about how we're gonna bring jobs to my state that pay people wages that are wages with dignity. Are you worried then about a Republican legislature that might block you? I mean, I think- Because you're in a position where, yes, you may be Democrat, but this is something we're seeing in America sure. across the board. If you don't have legislatures with you, they can, they can and they will block you. We've sure seen they that. will. Attempt to. Yeah, they will attempt to. Are you worried about that? Do you have a plan for that? Is there, is there something that you think could be done and I mean, we don't know sure. if the votes swing sure. the legislature, but you know that's gotta yeah. be in the back of your mind. Well, for sure it is. Listen, first of all, my charge to every elected official who I will have to work with is that they put the needs of the people that they were elected to serve above their own. This is in partnership. Mm -hmm. As a mayor, I can tell you, uh, uh, it, it, is, it is a partisanship-free zone. People just want you to get the job done. Right. Right, they want you to make change and progress that improves their lives. And so, now I may not be able to convincingly make that appeal, but I'm gonna make it to as many that I can. And then I have to tell you, uh, I'm gonna use the instrumentalities of the office of the governor to move my agenda. And I will not be afraid to do it. The governor of the state has line item veto. I will exercise that uh, right. where necessary. Um, uh, I will do what I can to compel cooperation. Uh, and where we can't, we're gonna stand our ground. Um, and. I believe that there are some areas wherein we can work together. So um, under Republican leadership, uh, uh, this last session, we saw some progress around criminal justice reform, mm -hmm. where Republicans and Democrats are seeing that that might be an area where we can work together, where they're you know, basically coming up with the same, same conclusion that we are, maybe for different reasons, that we're throwing 
tons of money uh, after a criminal justice system that isn't reducing the crime rate, it isn't making our community safer, it's costing us um, atrocious amounts of money. Take for instance in the state of Florida today, 60% of people that are sitting in jails in Florida are there not because they've been found guilty of a crime. They're sitting there because they couldn't pay the money bail system. That cost the citizens of the state of Florida last year $680 million. Wow. Right? And holding people up in, you know, a motel known as the jail without having been found guilty of a crime yet. And so my point is, is look, um, there are things, there are steps we can take to keep our community safe um, and at the same time save us money. It seems that there are some Republicans that are willing to entertain what it might mean to get some real criminal justice reform that saves them money mm -hmm. and also helps to keep our community safer. Uh, they're not mutually exclusive. You can do them both. There's some Republicans who like you. There's one prominent Republican who's not a fan of yours at all. He tweeted about you this oh, morning. Yeah. He said, um, he said <laughs> wrong, wrong. He said, uh, people in Florida have a decision to make. They can choose between someone who's educated at Yale slash Harvard or they can choose uh, a thief um, who is a mayor of the most corrupt okay. um, town or city or Tallahassee. I think he like, put it all into one bubble. Love it. Um, President Trump is not a fan of yours. No, I'm not a fan of his either. I mean, I do believe the man ought to lose his job. I guess that makes us equal. Right. But I will say, I mean, if, if we're stealing anything, it's hearts and minds. That's why we're winning, and that's why they're desperate. Um, uh, this president has no relationship with the truth. Mr. DeSantis is training to be his apprentice. Mm -hmm. He also has no relationship with the truth. I mean, at one point in this race, he was running 100% negative ads in Florida. Every last single one of those negative ads was said to be false by an independent evaluator. In my opinion, this man fails the first test of wanting to be governor, which is, at the very least, uh, you ought to level with the people and be honest. Right. right. My grandmother used to say, listen, if you tell the truth, you don't have to worry about covering up for lies. Right. So just tell the truth. Um, he's afraid to tell the truth because the man doesn't have a, a vision for the future of this state. Mm -hmm. I would submit that I'm not convinced that I'm winning on all of the policy arguments, right? But when they have nothing else to compare and choose between, I mean, literally a guy who has not yet thrown out a proposal that has rallied any sense of, of, of imagination in their own supporters. Right. Come on, get, get, get out of here. We saw it in his debates twice. Every time he was given an opportunity to talk about what he wanted to do, he couldn't get my name out of his mouth. Right? I mean, this is all about me. Well, I'm flattered, but you know, the people of the state of Florida want to know what you're going to do for them. Right. The thing they've brought up now is obviously been the Hamilton tickets. Yes. Where they go, show. you know, here we have an issue where your brother gave you Hamilton tickets and he said he had exchanged those for Jay Z and Beyonce tickets, which Title. I don't. I don't know, is that a fair exchange in your opinion? Would that be a fair exchange? Hamilton versus Jay-Z Beyonce? You that's, gotta ask my brother whether that's, or not yeah, that's Yeah, that's, that's, that's an issue there. <laughs> but, but once again, the issue of race is being brought up, you know, yeah. because DeSantis is tied in some ways, you know, to the legal team investigating this. Um, you have come out and spoken about what you think the motivation behind sure. this investigation is. Um, if somebody's a voter out there and they're going, hey, Gillum, I really like you, yeah. but I'm afraid that this FBI investigation could plague you into your governorship if you yeah. were to take over, what do you say to them? Well, I mean, I think I would first say is, one, I'm not under FBI investigation. Uh, between President Trump and I, he's the only one that has anything <laughs> to worry about there, right? Um, uh, two, I would, I would ask the people of the state to measure me 
off my 15 years of public service. I've served in government for 15 years without so much as a smudge on my name until I decided that I wanted to upend the Republican leadership here in the state of Florida right. uh, by winning the state of Florida back for working people. Um, I think people need to know that um, given all that I've overcome and what we have come from, uh, the last thing I would do ever is put my morals, my values, and certainly my legal standing uh, in any form of jeopardy. Um, as I told him in the first debate, look, I realize why they want to convince their supporters that uh, true to stereotype that I haven't earned a thing in my life, mm -hmm. that I don't deserve where I am. Uh, by no means should he, Mr. Harvard Educated, be competing against me, Mr. FAMU Educated, uh, for governor of the state of Florida. I mean, he bought that same attitude into the debates. Unfortunately, it didn't serve him well. Uh, 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 he performed pitifully. Uh, and literally cried like a, you know, like a kid uh, from the stage. I mean, he whined like nobody's business. I had this one Republican guy come up to me just yesterday in Clay County and said, you know, had I not voted for Mr. DeSantis absentee, uh, I never would have voted for him uh, uh, for governor. He said, I'm, I'm a Republican because partly because we're strong. He's weak. He's with this man's words, not mine. Oh, wow. Right? This man's words. Um, and so, look. The Republicans are going to do what they're going to do to distract. But this has nothing to do with a Broadway show. This is a sideshow uh, that they have created for themselves mm -hmm. because they don't have an agenda that people are willing to buy. Um, now, Mr. DeSantis should fret not because in a few short days, uh, we will retire him. Um, and we're going to get about the business of moving this state forward. And um, uh, it's my hope that uh, I'll find ways in which we can work with the administration in Washington. Right. But my number one job is going to be to be a strong defender of the state of Florida and to advance the values, the policies, and the belief of the people of my state, Let not to kowtow to Donald Trump. Let me ask you one question yeah. before we get the check. <laughs> the, um, the conversation in America and in politics and on the news recently has been about unity versus division, mm -hmm. rhetoric, divisiveness, etc. One thing that many people have noted about you is you have the ability to both speak to the aspirations that people may have, but at the same time call somebody out if you feel that they're stepping out of line. Sure. How do you find that balance? Is that something you got from your grandmother? Is that something like, where does that come from? Because when you're with the Sanctus on stage, you don't, you don't bite your tongue, yeah. but at the same time, you don't engage him in a way where I, don't feel, where I feel like you, you hate the person or yeah. you, you're, you're angry about it. Where does that yeah. come from? Well, I don't know him, uh, number one, right? Um, but he has a family, uh, he's got kids. Uh, I have to imagine that at his core, he's a decent person. Um, I think for me, I, look, I don't take punches well, right? right. If you're going to punch me, I'm going to punch you back. Not physically, right? Well, I mean, physical altercations. But if we are, um, if you step to me, come mm -hmm. correct, and I'll step back at you correct. Right. Um, and in Mr. DeSantis's case, at every turn, he, you know, from the very beginning, started by disrespecting me. My grandmother used to have this saying, 
and somebody reported she's the winner of the race. Oh, yeah, she is. <laughs> but listen, it's, if it's a lesson to anybody, it is listen to your grandmother because <laughs> uh, you never know when they may come back into play, right? But she used to say, never, ever, ever wrestle with pigs. Uh, she said, because you both get dirty, but the pig actually likes it. And that was important for me because what I realized is what DeSantis and Trump want to do is to drag me into the, into into the, the gutter yeah. with them, right? Uh, because they can survive getting dirty. I can't survive getting dirty. Um, because um, what they want to do is have me fit a stereotype. I got to be cool and collected and precise, um, non-defensive, but also have the ability to land a punch where it's necessary. Right. And it is a lot to balance. But the truth is, is I've been balancing that all my life, uh, right? Um, yeah, I've shared pretty openly that my older brothers all have a criminal background record. They've all had run-ins with the law. And I remember as a kid, you know, sort of deciding that, um, you know, my mom would, you know, well up with tears, you know, after every door knock where mm -hmm. she was told something was going down with one of my, my siblings. And I just, I was like, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna hurt my mom like that. I'm not gonna do it. Um, and, and deciding that, I mean, I think, um, I had to make a decision at that moment, like I was gonna do the right things right. to put me in the right place uh, to make my mother proud. Um, and I think that is just sort of, uh, it's been ingrained in me and at every step of the way, uh, being the first, you know, being the youngest in, my, in the city of Tallahassee's history to serve on the city commission, not being from there, running in a seat that is overwhelmingly white uh, in an area, again, that I wasn't from, right. um, I had to learn, how do you communicate to people so that they can truly see you? Right? Not like what people say you are, mm -hmm. not the caricature of you, mm -hmm. but like you break through and they, and they see you and they hear you. And for me, I've leveled it by just being honest, by just being direct, like this is what I think. And trying to do so in a way that doesn't set people back on their heels. There are people in my community who have voted for me repeatedly, not because they agree with me on every issue, right? They, they, they voted for me because they believe in me. And the reason they believe in me is I've tried to show them who I am at every turn. Right. right? And, I, and I've tried to carry that over in this race. Um, you know, the polling difference between DeSantis' likability and mine are like worlds apart. <laughs> and it, it has nothing to do with public policy, right? It has everything to do with the fact that even for folks who may not agree with me, I think they know that I believe in what we're saying and what we're trying to accomplish. Right. Um, and they also know that there are checks on me, so I won't be able to get everything that I want when I want it. Um, so there's that balance there. But um, you know, I think the, if there is a lesson, I think, for Democrats coming out of my race, and we're not, obviously, we haven't completed this journey yet, but I think it is that people are not looking for perfect, they're looking for real. Um, they're looking for people to level with them, to be honest, to trust that they know that they know the difference. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the whole stagecraft around trying to be what we're not, you know, uh, they know that we believe that the president is stoking fears based off a of race. Right. The president is stoking fears based off a of race. Uh, he's doing that for an electoral advantage. Mm -hmm. I think he sorely misestimates the people of this country and certainly the people of this state because I don't believe that that's where the majority of people are. But we got to get out there and give people something to vote for. We can't just say Donald Trump is bad. He is bad, but people know it. It's baked in. Um, so what, what are you gonna do, right? What are you proposing 
to impact my life for the better. And if you're not bringing anything, you know, then we're not moving anybody to go and vote, right? So I've got to talk about these things from the standpoint of what can I do as governor to try to make this state work for more people again? Wow. That's fine, man. And Good luck. Thank you for yeah. your time. Thank you. Thank you for coming out. I, I can't pay for the meal because I don't want it to be like a campaign no, contribution. No, I got this. Well, I, I would, but I just don't want to get into trouble. I'm a foreigner. I don't know how that works. It's a whole thing. Thank you so much for your time. It works, brother. Thanks Appreciate for everything. It. Thank you. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast.